0: Well, God bless you guys. Welcome once again to Swerve Church. My name is Danny. I'm the lead pastor here at Swerve and I'm so glad that you guys uh, spent are spending some time with us this morning as we continue to dig into Ephesians and a couple quick announcements that I just want to reiterate kind of what, what Stephen was mentioning um, here. Our mission partners are right now in Houston and in cities in that area in southern Texas bringing relief to the people that are there. But as you guys know, if you've been watching The news or on your Facebook feeds, you guys have noticed there's some uh, more hurricanes that are forming and some that are hitting right now, as we speak, are hitting Florida, parts of Florida. And so it's causing a lot of damage down there as well. Our mission partners will also be in Florida doing that. Just say that so that if you give to missions today, just know that it's going to go towards the relief efforts that are there. And so thank you so much, guys, as well. Those of you that have been giving towards missions, you know, we say around here all the time that we will lead the way with the rational generosity. You guys are truly a generous Bunch and also just want to say, uh, welcome. Uh, Last night we had a great time at at the movie night, it was was a little chilly. I like it, I'm a fall guy, I really like the fall and stuff. But we had a great time, it's the last one of the summer. And so, if you were there, thank you for coming out. And if you gave towards that, thank you because you're giving helps for us to be able to provide the popcorn and the drinks and all that. And it's just a great time to be able to interact with our neighbors and such. It was really, really, it was really, really great. So, uh, let's let's dig in today. You guys ready? You guys, your message notes. Take those message notes right there. You have all the verses for today. There's some fill in the blanks and uh, that's there. So you can just fill in the blank and it'll help you out to stay focused with what we're talking about um, today. So Stephen just finished um, reading Ephesians 2 verses 6 to 10. And uh, so we're going to be talking about that a little bit. But first, have you guys ever heard of the show called The Walking Dead? Has anybody heard of that show? Right? Have you ever, Who's seen the show? right okay cool you guys have seen it I, I've never seen it personally but it's amazing how many people are really fascinated uh, about this thing right about the walking dead basically if you don't know the show takes place in kind of a, a post-apocalyptic setting and it uh, has to do with a group of people that are trying to survive a zombie attack right hence the name the walking dead and sidebar I bet you the last thing you thought you would have heard about when you came to church today was zombies right but there's a purpose to it, just stay focused, okay? It's so funny how popular the show is. There's great ratings, there's millions of viewers, and people because people have a fascination with zombies, right? Do they exist? Are zombies real? Are they real? You know, one of the one of the highest Google search terms is how to survive a zombie apocalypse. You guys ever heard of that? And so people want to know, right? Like, look, what is this? Now, why do I bring all this up? Well, because for a moment I want you to picture yourself. As a zombie, right? Think of yourself as a zombie. Because in essence, this is what Paul tells us in the passage that we read last week, didn't he? He said, for you are dead in your sin and your trespasses. That means we all have something in common here that we're all zombies, basically. We're dead on the inside and we're just walking around. Right? We're like these walking zombies and inside we're dead because of our sin and our Trespasses, And that was the really, 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 really bad news that we received last week. You're dead in your trespasses, you're dead in your sin, and because of sin, you're subjected to God's wrath. And what you deserve for your sin, ultimately, is punishment for your sin. The Bible says you deserve death. And that's a lot of bad news that we really hear. But then Stephen mentioned to us about these two words that we read in verse 4. Anybody remember what those two words are that completely shifted the whole thing? Anybody remember at all? I'm about to say it. But But God. But God. You were in sin. You were in your trespasses. You were a zombie. But God. Right? We were heading towards destruction. We were getting what we would deserve because of our sin. We are sinful by nature and choice. But then But God happens, right? God enters to the picture and we learn that He's both rich in mercy and He's rich in a great love for us and He makes us alive through Christ. And by the way, that's why we celebrate baptism here. A couple weeks ago, we celebrated baptism because it's representative of this very thing. When we submerge under the water, we're dying to our old sinful selves. And then when we rise from the water, it's representative of being made new in Christ that we are a new creation covered by God's grace through Jesus. So as we dive into today's passage, we're going to learn even more about this God's gift of grace. We're going to learn even more about it, and we're going to see how it truly changes us from the inside out. And the first thing that we're going to see as we get into today's study, if you're taking notes, take that pen. The first fill in the blank today is this, that the gospel changes our position. It changes our position. Check out how Paul says it in Ephesians 2, today's verses, in verse 6 and 7. You have it there in the top of your notes, or you can look up here on the screen. It says this, he also, what? What's that word? He also raised us up with him. And and what did he do? He what? He seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. Did you guys catch that real quick? I don't know if you caught it. Why don't you guys go ahead and circle the word raised and seated in your notes. All right, he also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Now, let me start off by saying this, okay? The gospel doesn't simply forgive us of our sin. The gospel doesn't simply save us. The gospel doesn't simply make us right before God and give us a ticket to heaven. Now, it does all those things. Don't mishear me. It does all those things, but it does so much more. The gospel of Jesus Christ, it does so much more. The gospel is the power unto salvation, as it says in the book of Romans. But it also has, listen to this, huge implications. The gospel has huge implications. Let me, let me explain. L- listen, if you're here today, and, and this is just hypothetical, if you're here today and, and you're super prideful and you're arrogant and you know it, right? You have like an extra pep in your step and while you would probably never admit it or say it publicly, you know, maybe you feel like you're a little bit more put together than everyone else, right? You know, someone like this, someone who's very arrogant or prideful, they might say, And I would never do what he just did. You know, I, I would have I made a different decision. I would never. How, how could they ever do that? I would never do that. And you look in the mirror and you think you're, you're the hot stuff. When you walk around, you hear your own theme song in your head. right? Whenever you walk around. Because you really, you have this extra pride about you. And listen, I'm not talking about that you have good self-confidence or body image. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about someone who's super arrogant and walks around like they're better than everyone else. If that's you, or if you know someone like that, The gospel has very real implications for you because the gospel calls us to humble ourselves. The gospel shows us that we are all wretched sinners in desperate need of a savior. And the gospel calls us to humble ourselves at the foot of the cross and depend on someone else's good work, not our own. We have to depend on somebody else who paid the price for our sin. The gospel levels the playing field so if you're the hotshot, you deserve the same punishment as everyone else. But you, just like all those who put their faith in Jesus, we don't get what we deserve. Instead, we get grace, we get mercy, we get forgiveness. And this is why the Bible says this. You have it in your notes, Philippians 2.3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. But here's the key word, but in what? But in humility, consider yourself. Consider others more important than yourselves. Now, my guess would be, for the most of us here, for many of our, in our community, let's talk about Bushwick specifically. And in a lot of neighborhoods like Bushwick in New York City, where there's a lot of poverty and there's like a working class group, you're trying to pay the bills, trying to put food on the table. What you need is a reminder that in Christ, you are seated with God in heavenly places. You are seated with God in heavenly places. You need this reminder, what Paul said in Ephesians 2, 6 and 7. Listen, if you're here today and you walk with your head low and you have a lot of self-doubt and you you have like a low self-confidence, you know what I'm talking about? Like a low self-esteem. If you're discontent with the way you look or your social status, if you've been put down because of your appearance or your background or your upbringing, then the gospel has very real implications for you as well. And the same way the gospel has implications for the person that walks around with their chest up and their nose in the air and super arrogant, the gospel has implications for you if you feel lowly and you feel lack of self-confidence. Because through the gospel, because of Jesus, you've experienced a change in position. That's what you just wrote down in your notes. You experienced a change in position. Instead of being lowly, Paul tells us that we are seated with God. God in the heavens in Christ. And when you hear these words, it should cause you to lift your chin and to fill you with confidence and to build up esteem in you, to walk with a pep in your step because you know you are seated with God in Jesus Christ. Now I'm not talking about letting it produce a selfish and vain pride like we just finished reading in Philippians. Instead, what you should, what the gospel should do is build up confidence in you. Not because of anything that you've done or just because of you, but confidence because of Jesus and what He has done. Jesus has changed your position from lowly to one who's seated with God Himself. You guys tracking with that? You guys, Does that make sense? The gospel has very real implications with how we live and look at ourselves and live our lives. Now, Paul is going to go on to teach us exactly this change, how this change in position happens, right? How does this happen? And to make sure that we don't get it twisted and, and turn the whole thing on ourselves and make it about ourselves, you know, make ourselves out to be the hero. Paul is going to explain the role we have. And how Jesus gets it done. By the way guys. I, I failed to mention this. Paul is the author that wrote the book of Ephesians. About a third of the New Testament. So when I'm referring to Paul. When I say Paul said. That's what we're reading in Ephesians chapter 2. Okay. So look what Paul says. Ephesians 2. You have it there in your notes. Look what he says. For you are saved by what? By? Grace. Let me say that. For you are saved by? Grace. For you are saved by? Grace. Through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's what? It is God's gift. gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. And this is so important for us, guys. You may I know you caught the key words there. You might want to underline, put an asterisk circle, whatever you want, so that you can have it stand out. But the first thing we see is this. Number one, that we are saved by what? Grace. We are saved by grace. Now, what is that? What is grace? The the definition of grace is unmerited favor. In other words, it's receiving something without having to earn it. It's getting something without paying for it. And honestly, this is a concept that's hard for us to even grasp. It's hard for us to understand because it applies to little else in our lives, right? Nobody just gives you money, right? You You have to work for it. This is why you put on your alarm in the morning, this is why you commute to work, this is why you put up with those smelly co-workers, and why? Because what mama said was true, that money don't grow on trees, right? And so you got to get up early, you got to do what you got to do, because nobody's going to throw a stack of money on your lap, right? You don't compete in a race and get a first place trophy coming in last place, right? No, you have to work hard, you have to play hard, you have to beat your opponents in order to get to first place and get that trophy. Why? Because it has to be earned. But when it comes to our salvation, when it comes to our acceptance before God, guess what? You don't have to earn it. We get it freely by this word, grace. We get it freely by grace. We don't earn it. It's freely given. And I know, I know, track with me. I understand that it doesn't make any sense. Because nowhere else, right? Like what they say, nothing in life is free. But let me explain this to you. It is freely given. Imagine one day, you know, let's say you have a big debt, right? You have this huge debt and some of you don't have to imagine you have it, right? Imagine you go to the bank and you're going to pay off some of this debt. and, 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 you know, maybe, you know, school debt, credit cards, whatever, and uh, you've been working really, really hard just to pay the minimum on this thing, right? To try to pay it off. you got to pay it from now to like 30 15 or whatever, right? And so you, you go to the bank, you walk up to the teller, you reluctantly give her like your ID and the card or whatever, and you're like, all right, tell me, how much do I owe? How much, how, what is left? What is left? Imagine she types in, you hear the keys, and then she looks up, she looks up at the screen, she looks up at you, she looks at the screen, she looks at you, and then she says, Nothing. You don't owe anything. You scratch your head. You say, I'm sure I owe like 35 grand last time I came here. You want to check that again? She looks at it. There's nothing left. How would that make you feel? How would that make you feel? Guys, in essence, that's what grace is. It's the unmerited favor of God. We don't deserve it, but we get it anyway. We get it anyway. The second thing that Paul says is that we are saved through faith. It's the second part right there in your notes. You can write that in. We are saved through faith. Now, what is faith, right? Faith is to have extreme confidence and trust in something or someone. To have confidence and trust in something or someone. And this is exactly what we have and what we need in order to experience salvation. It comes by faith in somebody. Who's that somebody? His name is Jesus. Putting faith in Jesus. Or in other words, an extreme confidence and trust in Jesus. This is how the Bible defines faith. You guys might know this verse. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is being sure of what we hope for. It is being sure of what we do not see. That's the way the Bible defines it. Faith is putting all our hope and all our assurance in something or someone other than ourselves. You know, the same way when you looked at that chair when you came in, right? You looked at the chair, you had 100% faith that it would hold you when you sat on it, right? Even if you never sat on that chair before, right? You have this confidence. I know when I sit in this chair, it's going to hold me up. Even if you've never sat in it before, even if it's a brand new chair, we have this certainty in it. So the same way we have a certainty in Jesus that he will forgive us of our sin, that he will save us and that he will reconcile us unto God. Now, how do we receive this faith? How do you build this faith? The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17 so faith comes from what? From hearing, that is hearing the good news or the gospel of Christ. So how do you receive this faith? Some of you guys, maybe the first time you hear the gospel today, this faith that you put in Christ, it comes from hearing the good news. When I mention gospel, what I'm meaning is the good news, the good news that Jesus came to die in our place for our sin. So it comes by hearing. So we have, Paul tells us that we are saved by grace, That's God's unmerited favor. In other words, we don't deserve it, but we get it anyway through faith, right? And that's faith and certainty and trust in who? In Jesus. And it is, number three, Paul says, salvation is God's gift. How many of you like to receive gifts? Anybody like to receive gifts? Christmas time is right around the corner. I love receiving gifts. And salvation ultimately is a gift that comes directly from God. Right. It's not something that you can earn. You can't buy it. It's simply freely given to us through Jesus. You know, did you guys have a good Labor Day this past week? Right. you have a day off, whatever. Hopefully you got to go out. I wanted to do something special for my family this week. And we thought about maybe going to the beach. I'm not a beach guy, whatever. But, that's, you know, kind of the last unofficial day of the summer. Let's go to the beach or the park. We ended up uh, uh, saying, you know what, they have a, a special up in Playland in Rye, New York. Anybody ever been to Playland up in Rye, like an hour from here? And so he's like, you know what? We don't really have it in the budget, but we went looking for like scrambling for like gift cards or whatever. This one had 10 bucks. This one had like 570 or whatever. So we put it together. And we said, let's, let's go up there. And so we go. We, the kids are excited that, you know to go to Rye Playland, right? I get out the car. We start walking to the ticket booth to buy our tickets to get in. And this lady passes us by. She's like, hey, hey. Would you and your family like some tickets to get into the park today? And uh, I'm like, uh, yeah, that's where we're going. To, we're going to go get some tickets right now. And she says, no, no, my, my niece and my nephew and some family was supposed to come. I got these tickets from the job. I have five extra tickets. For those of you that don't know, it's me, my wife, and three kids. It's five of us exactly. And she says, I got these five tickets. Do You want them? It's like, do I want them? <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. And I was just, I was just so taken aback. You imagine, you know, I have to go pay for these tickets plus pay for the food, the parking's 10 bucks, the gas, right, to get there, the toll. And this lady comes and says, I got five free tickets if you want them, right on our way to go pay for the tickets. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that crazy? It was, she gives it to us, no questions asked, not expecting any money in return, absolutely positively free. It was a gift. It was a gift. It was a free gift. Guys, that's what salvation is. It's absolutely free and it's at no cost to you. It's God's gift to you. Now, there was a price. Somebody paid for those tickets that they gave me, right? It wasn't free. It was free for me. But somebody paid for it. Either the lady or the job paid for it or whatever, right? Those tickets weren't. Somebody paid for those tickets. Now, For salvation, there was a price. In fact, salvation is very costly. It costs Jesus his life. But for you and I, we cannot earn it. It's a gift. What do you do with a gift? You receive it. You receive the gift. And in fact, because we are so overwhelmed by God's free gift of salvation, it causes within us a heart of gratitude and generosity. And when you realize the great gift that God has given you, it bubbles up inside your heart and all of a sudden you want to give. And all of a sudden you want to be generous with your time, with your resources. You want to help people that are in need. You want to help your neighbors. In fact, every year as a church, we participate in something called Operation Christmas Child. I promised to bring the box this week, and I completely forgot so much to bring. I'll bring it for you next week for sure. But basically, Operation Christmas Child is when you guys take a, a shoe box, this, this box, and you fill it up with gifts. And, you, and we send it to kids all the way around the world in very, very needy and, in, in areas and very needy countries and continents in our world. And we love to do that every year. And why do we do that? Because we have gotten so much, because we've experienced so much that in turn it bubbles up inside our heart. And it just wants to come out. And now we want to be generous. And now we want to give. And I'd love for you to participate in that project this year. There's, there's some information online. Next week we'll have the boxes. You grab a box, fill it with gifts, and you can give it to a kid in a, halfway around the world. And you could probably never travel there. But you can give it and bless a kid this Christmas. So let's recap, salvation is by grace, that's God's unmerited favor, through faith, that's putting our trust and confidence in Jesus, and it's God's gift, you can't earn it. Here's the last thing, the last thing Paul said, I don't know if you caught it, was this, number four, that salvation is not by works. I'm going to slow down a little bit here, because this is so important for us to get this, because if salvation truly is by grace, the unmerited favor of God, and it truly is a gift from God, that of course you can't, you can't earn it with works, right? You cannot earn it, you cannot buy it, you cannot barter for it, you cannot exchange, you cannot bid for it. It's not by works. And it's so important for us to get this, first of all, because it's the truth. It's the truth. So first of all, you need to understand this because God God's Word says it, and it's the truth. It's what God's Word teaches, And it's important for us because simply it is the way God works out salvation. That's the way God does it. I know that it doesn't make sense. That's why it truly is a mystery. Because everything within us shouts out, how can this be? Because we truly... We surely feel like we must pay for our sin. We have to earn God's love. Man, when you realize how truly sinful you are before a holy God, and you say, no, 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 God, no, no, you can't forgive me. I I have to do something for you. I have to pray more. I have to read my Bible more. I have to give away more money. I have to do more. That's the way everything within us shouts that. But additionally, I want to share with you guys why this is so important. Here's why. Because most of the world religions, if not them all, They have some sort of system or belief where you must pay for your sin and your wrongdoing to earn salvation. Think about it. Almost every world religion known to man is about trying to earn their right to God. Trying to get their way to God. Trying to earn it through works. And right here in Bushwick, we have representations of different religions and beliefs that wrongly preach that in order to obtain salvation, you have to do so by works. Let me give you two examples. Can you guys let me give you two examples of this? Or maybe you've had some encounters of this. Um, How about Mormonism? Have you guys ever had an encounter with a Mormon? Mormons claim to be a form of Christianity. They claim that they are. But they're actually a cult because they deny certain truths, basic truths of Christianity. And one of those truths are this very thing, that you can earn your salvation, Although, if you were to get into a conversation with the Mormon, if you ever have, I've had in the past, they claim to believe the same things that you do. These claims, however, they come from a proclaimed prophet named Joseph Smith. He's the guy that founded the religion. And he claimed that he received a vision from God the Father and the Son were revealed to him and it led him to denounce modern Christianity. He, he got some kind of revelation, some kind of dream, and he says he started this whole new religion. And among those contradictions to the Bible is how we obtain salvation. We would say, as Christians, we would say that is not by works, right? But this is how he said it. In 2 Nephi 25, 23, Book of Mormons, you guys might have heard of it. It says this, For we know that it is by grace that we are saved. Let me stop right there. That sounds pretty, right? Doesn't it? Isn't that kind of like what we just read in Ephesians? For we know that it is by grace that we are saved. But there's a comma. It says, after that, after all we can do. Did you guys catch that? For we know that it is is by grace we are saved, comma, after all we can do. In other words, we need to try, try, try. We need to earn our way to salvation and then God's grace covers us. You guys see how that's an explicit contradiction to what we believe as Christians. How about this? Uh, How about Jehovah Witnesses? Have you guys ever heard of Jehovah Witnesses? They have a couple churches here as well. Very lovely people. Have you ever had a conversation with them? Wonderful people. But unfortunately, they also have a skewed view about this. Jehovah Witnesses believe that salvation is obtained by a combination of faith, good works, and obedience. And that's part of the reason why they knock on your door. And that's part of the reason why they set up. Because they believe that that obedience leads to salvation. Here's what the founder of the Jehovah Witnesses says. His name is Russell. His last name is Charles. Charles Russell is his name. He said this, Our works, and and try to catch the contradiction. I know it's a little difficult. Listen up. Our works were not called for to secure justification. That sounds right. My works cannot justify me. Okay. By faith, we accepted His finished work. We were justified. That sounds good too. But then he says this, But now, If we would go further, we cannot go without works. True, we must not lose our faith, else we thereby lose our justification. But being justified and continuing in faith, we are able to do good works, and God requires this. Did you guys catch the contradiction? Once again, he's saying he's saying, Yeah, 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 it's God's grace. Yeah, we're justified. God's great. But we need to work, we need to earn our salvation. On one side of the coin, Russell talks about justification by faith alone. And on the other side, he states that to hold on to your justification, to grab it, to hold on to it, you must do good works and not lose faith. In other words, you can obtain your salvation freely, but in order to keep it, you have to earn it. And guys, this isn't a small, it's a bitsy, tiny, tiny, weeny little contradiction. It's not. This is totally different than what Orthodox Christianity has taught and preached. We obtain salvation as a free gift of God and it simply cannot be earned. So if you get into a conversation with a Jehovah Witness, they claim to believe what you believe but realize that it isn't true. It's not true. Many have been fooled by the teachings of this call and they've been led astray. But if you can If you have a conversation with them, help them see, help them see that salvation is a free gift. That salvation is very costly. It's very expensive. And your attempt to purchase salvation with good deeds, cheapens the true value of Jesus' work on the cross. Don't make Jesus' salvation cheap by saying that, hey, I could help a little old lady across the street and we're good now. I can give to charity and we're good now. Don't cheapen the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Are you guys tracking with me? I know it's a lot of information today. So perhaps you might think to yourself, right, at this point, you're probably saying, okay, Danny, so that means that we don't ever do good deeds? Does that mean we never do something nice? You know, doesn't the Bible say to do good things to others? And it absolutely does. It absolutely does. Uh, uh, But we need to fundamentally come to this realization that we're not saved from good works or by good works, but for good works. You see how that's different? We're not saved by good works, but for good works. Check out how Paul says it in today's passage. Ephesians 2.10. In fact, let's read this out loud. You guys ready? Let's read this out loud. Ready? Let's read it. Ready? Go. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Did you guys catch that? Did you see how Paul shares here what's fundamentally different, not only by these two cults, but, but nearly every other world religion. Because every religion is, is man's attempt to reach God. It's men trying to reach to Him. But what we preach, what Christianity is all about, is God reaching down to us and saving us. What we have is that through, through Christ, we're not saved by good works, but for good works. We don't do good works to earn our salvation. Our salvation was provided by Jesus. We're sinful by nature and choice, and we fall incredibly short before a perfect and holy God. Our sin eternally separated us from God, but God in His infinite love for us, for me and for you, He provided a way for us through Jesus. Through Jesus. You see, the penalty for our sin was death, and Jesus came and paid the price. We had to stand holy before a perfect God and you and I can't. But Jesus did. He lived the life that you and I could not live and He died the death that you and I deserve on a cross. But then three days later, He rose from the grave, conquering Satan's sin and death. And in His life, now we have new life and we are made new. And all we have to do in order to be granted this forgiveness and salvation, according to the Bible, is put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. You, you confess it, you believe it. Put all your trust in Him, that's faith. Then salvation can be a free gift from God for you to experience. After this great experience, after you experience salvation, how do you think you're going to respond? How do you think you should respond to this? Well, after experiencing forgiveness, guess what? Now you want to forgive, right? After receiving kindness, now we want to give kindness. After receiving mercy, we want to give mercy. So after experiencing God's mercy, it bubbles within us a heart to do good to others. From the overflow of the mercy we have experienced, we can now extend mercy, but it's not to earn our salvation. It's simply from the overflow of a grateful heart. Paul goes on to say that God has prepared good works for us to do ahead of time. So God has something. There's a, there's a mission to accomplish. There's something, listen, each and every single one of you that are here today, God has something prepared for you to do. There's a neighbor, there's a friend, there's a coworker right here at the church. There's some place that you got to get plugged in and serve and, and help out because God has prepared ahead of time for you to do something. But that doing something doesn't earn your salvation with God. It's only by putting your faith in Jesus. This is why we do Operation Christmas Child, and this is why we set up everything at the park last night. If you were at the park for the movie night, that's why we do that. That's why we give out popcorn and iced tea, because God is prepared. We are His workmanship. He created us in Christ Jesus for good works, and God prepared ahead of time for me to do that, and for us as a church to do that, so that we can bring families together together, so that we can provide a little joy, that we can provide a little oasis in the middle of such a busy time and busy life in our community to be able to bless our neighbors. Salvation is a free gift that we receive because of God's mercy towards us. It's not earned. It cannot be earned. It is simply received. So if you're here today and you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, that faith that we spoke about, you haven't put all your confidence in Him, then I want to invite you to do that today. If you have your connection cards when you came in, it's in your bulletin. Everybody, please pull that out. Let's, let's do it all together. On the front, please put in the information there, your name, email, all that stuff. And uh, all that is, is so, that, so that we can um, put you into our database and we can, you can get weekly emails and we'll let you know about upcoming events and all that. So please fill out the front. But in the back, can I draw your attention to the back? On the back there, there's some next steps. You guys see there, one of the next steps is to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. And, and if you've never done that before, all right, if you this is the first time you hear this message, the gospel, or, or now the light bulb went off, you know, and you realize, yo, it's not, I've been doing it wrong. I've been trying to earn my salvation, and it's a free gift from God, then I want to invite you. Would you please check that off? If we want to follow up with you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to call you to the front. We're not going to do the altar call, none of that. We just want to follow up with you. We want to put some resources into your hands. We want to give you a Bible. We want to do life with you. We want to walk with you and help you do that. So that's you today. Please take out a moment to do that. And then when we receive the offering today, you'll be able to drop your connection cards in the offering bucket. Stephen will be letting you know a little bit more about that. Let's pray. you guys pray with me? God, we thank you that we are saved by grace. It's your unmerited favor. God, we thank you that it is through faith and it is not obtained through good works. Let, let's, let's not cheapen the work of the of Jesus on the cross. No, by our works. No, it's not earned through that. It's not obtained through our good works, God. But it's the perfect work of Jesus on the cross. Thank you for making us in, in your your workmanship. Thank you for making us your workmanship. Allow us to live a way that is grateful. Allow us to live in light of your great, of experiencing your great salvation. Allow us out of a heart full of gratitude, serve our neighbors, serve our friends, serve our neighbors and coworkers and family that they may ultimately get a glimpse of the goodness of Jesus. And uh, Holy Spirit, I just pray you continue to work in the lives of those uh, that are on the fringe, Lord. Draw them unto yourself. Help us all understand and grasp how truly wonderful the work of Jesus on the cross is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.